السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله وحده والصلاة والسلام على من لا نبي بعد ما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم أم حسبت أن أصحاب الكهف والرقيم كانوا من آياتنا عجبا إذ أبو الفتية إلى الكهف فقالوا, رب فقالوا ربنا آتنا من لدنك رحمة وهيئ لنا من أمرنا رشدا فضربنا على آذانهم في الكهف سنين عددا ثم بعثناهم لنعلم أي الحزبين أحصى لما لبثوا أمدا صدق الله العظيم One of the greatest challenges that any individual will experience whether they're young, whether they're old, whether they're in America, whether in another country is that an individual remains spiritually afloat amidst the difficulties that life will bring. That sometimes there are societal changes that a person is experiencing or society is experiencing and a person is seeing the changes. And now a person is at a crossroads as to whether they shift with society or they remain submitted and committed before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or other times a person might be going through a family difficulty or a difficulty in their community and now that is something which is affecting the, the stability in which they typically worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or then maybe a person is going through a personal challenge, a personal difficulty, or they just don't feel a connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And now that is something which is uh, creating an obstacle in their relationship with Allah. So despite the person, despite the time of year, everyone will, be go, will go through challenges and everyone will be striving or needs to be striving to remain submitted to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala despite the challenges that we have. This being said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us an example and Allah ta'ala has given us a blueprint and how we can remain afloat spiritually, how we can remain submitted to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala despite the difficulties that might be before us. And in Surah Al-Kahf, in the mention of the companions of the cave in Ashab Al-Kahf, Allah Ta'ala shows us a group of individuals who, whose Iman was at test. That they were under immense scrutiny for the sole relationship, that, for the sole reason that they worshipped Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. But they had certain qualities and they took certain steps. And through those qualities and this, those steps, Allah Ta'ala gives an example to us in how we can remain submitted to Allah Ta'ala, how we can remain committed to Allah Ta'ala, despite the challenge or the difficulties that we might find before ourselves. So this mention of Ashab Al-Kahf, and in the Qur'an, Allah Ta'ala, there's various incidents that Allah Ta'ala will mention. And the reason Allah Ta'ala mentions these incidents, the Qur'an did not come as a history book, nor did it come in Billah as a story book. But everything in the Qur'an, in, in the various incidents that are mentioned in the Qur'an, whatever is mentioned, there's a hikmah, there's a wisdom behind it, and there's something that can be extracted for it. And Allah Ta'ala gives us these uh, so that we take a lesson from it. <coughs> so now Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala is mentioning Ashab Al-Kahf, and in Allah Ta'ala begins, and the black drop, which isn't mentioned in the Qur'an, is that this was between the time of Isa Alayhi Salatu Wasalam and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Approximately 300 years after Isa Alayhi Salam and approximately 300 years before the coming of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So now this was a society that very quickly after Isa Alayhi Salam was ascended to the heavens, very quickly society lost all guidance. 
Now, 300 years has elapsed. There's no prophetic guidance. There hasn't. The people have lost touch with the revelation from Allah Taala. So now this is a society which is totally uh, barren spiritually. Now, in this society, there was one community, and this was a paganistic, you know, idol idol worshiping community. And the what would happen is once a year there would be a festival, and the king of the area would have everyone come and they would worship the idols, they would give offerings to the idols in whatever way. So now one year this day comes, the festival is happening and everyone is worshipping and giving offerings to these idols. And there's one individual there that he sees what's going on and for him, he's just thinking about it similar to our father Ibrahim salam. Just rationally, this doesn't make sense. That how can people be bowing down to idols? How can be, people be worshipping? How pe- can people be offering these idols created from stone? So one individual, what he does without telling anyone, without saying anything, he quietly just removes himself from the gathering. And he goes, and there's a nearby tree. He goes and he just stands under the tree so that he can physically be removed from what everyone else is doing in the festival. And then after a short time, a second person comes to the same tree and then a third person, and then there's a group that forms. And now no one under this tree is saying anything. So after some time, one of the members, he speaks up. And he said, look, we're all standing here. The reason why I am standing here is that I don't believe in the deities that the rest of the community believes in. I believe in a greater Rabb subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then the rest of the members of the group, they also, they confirmed that, look, we had this individual realization. These weren't people that knew one another beforehand, but now they come together and they say, and they make this pact and this agreement that they will worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala secretly. That if people found out, it would be an issue, but so secretly, they make the resolve that they will support one another in worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this group becomes known as Ashab al-Kahf, and this is the first lesson in how a person can remain spiritually afloat. And that's that a person has to surround themselves with righteous, pious, God-fearing company. That this group of Ashab al-Kahf, they didn't know one another beforehand. The reason why they came together, the reason why they agreed that they would continue to see each other and meet up with each other, is that they knew that these are people who are spiritually benefiting to them. They knew that these are people who will improve and support their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They didn't come together because they were just of a similar age. They didn't just come together because their parents were friends. They didn't just come together because they are from the same country originally. But there was spiritual benefit. There was benefit to their iman and that's the reason that they were coming together. So when a person is feeling or attempting to be spiritually, uh, strengthen themselves spiritually, or a person is feeling like they're slipping spiritually, one of the places that we have to look is what's the company around us? That are we around people who are God-fearing? Are we around people who will improve us? Are we around people that we feel will benefit are benefiting our relationship with Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala? And if the answer is no, then that's a reason why a person will also slip uh, spiritually. Imam Ghazali, Imam Alama Rumi, Rahimahullah, the very famous poet, very beautifully. He gives an analogy of a drop of water. And he says that if a drop of water falls from the sky and it falls in someone's palm, now you would say that's pure water. If a person were to collect this water and drink it, 
or they could collect it and they couldn't make wudu, they could collect it and they could wash you know, dishes and utensils. It's pure water. Now if the same drop of water, instead of falling in a person's hand, if it slips through their fingers and it goes and it lands in mud, now what you would have used for wudu, no, now a person won't want to touch. Even if it gets it on the shoe of a person, they'll want to wash it off. Because now that thing is dirty. Then Alama Rumi rahimahullah said if that same drop of water instead of falling in the mud it falls on a hot surface then it'll evaporate and you won't see any trace of it. And then Alama Rumi rahimahullah he says if the same drop of water falls in an oyster then eventually that drop of water will form and it'll become a pearl. Alama Rumi rahimahullah then makes the point that the drop of water is the same whether it falls in your palm it falls in the mud lands on a hot surface or whether it falls into an oyster the drop of water is the same but its end result in the value of that drop of water is based on what it's associated with and then Alama Rumi rahimahullah makes the same point that we can be just one individual but our end result and who we become is based on the association that we have based on the people that we have around us if, if we have righteous pious God-fearing individuals around us Then we will also adopt Those qualities of righteousness and piety But if we're around uh, People Wretched company Evil company Then those same qualities will then become present in a person Imam Ghazali rahimahullah say, He said regarding friends That the true friend The true companion Is that person that when you're with them They are reminding you of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and when you're not with them, they're mentioning you to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, meaning that this is a person who will make dua for you. And then on this, it's interesting that when it comes to the actual group of Ashab al-Kahf, we don't know the exact number. The Quran doesn't mention the exact number. The Quran says maybe it was three people and then they had a fourth inhabitants of the cave and that was a dog that was amongst them. And then the Quran says that maybe there were five individuals and the sixth was a dog. Or maybe there were seven individuals and the eighth was a dog. So the Quran actually doesn't confirm an exact number of how many members were in this Ashab al-Kahf. But what the Quran does confirm is that there was a dog amongst them. And this is interesting because... Uh, Islamically, pets and animals, they don't have an akhirah. They don't have a jannah or jahannam. They will be present on qiyamah, but then after judgment takes place and their you know, justice will be placed amongst the animals, then all the animals will actually turn to dust. But the ulama say one of the exceptions to the rule is this dog of Ashab al-Kahf. That because it had company that was so righteous and so pious, and so beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that this dog will be amongst the inhabitants of Jannah just because it had pious company. And then in the ayah that we were reciting at the beginning, Am Hasibata Anna Ashab al Kahfi Wal Raqimikan min ayatin ajaba that do you consider Ashab al Kahf and Al Raqim to be some strange signs? We all know Am Hasibta Anna Ashab al Kahf, we know who Ashab al Kahf is. But then Allah says, وَالرَّقِيم الرَّقِيم The question comes, who or what is الرَّقِيم? And there's different opinions, and one of the minor opinions, but we can take a lesson from it, is الرَّقِيم is the dog's name. So now this dog, not worshipping Allah, not having an intellect like humans, 
is being mentioned by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is gaining Jannah solely because it had pious, righteous company. If a dog can attain this status before Allah ta'ala because of the company that it holds, and obviously an abd of Allah, the ibad of Allah ta'ala can ascend when we surround ourselves with pious and righteous company. Now that this group has been formed, they tell one another that they will worship Allah Ta'ala. And they're attempting to do so secretly. But after some time, what happens is that word gets out. And, you know, the king comes to know that there's this group of individuals who is now worshipping other than the idols that everyone else worships. So now this king, he calls these individuals into uh, into his court. And he begins to question them what they're doing, who they're worshipping. Allah Ta'ala says in the Qur'an, وَرَبَطَنَا عَلَىٰ قُلُوبِهِمْ إِذْ قَامُوا فَقَالُوا رَبُّنَا رَبُّ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ That at this point, these are young individuals. They're standing before the person that they very well know can very easily take their life. They're, they're very powerless, he's very powerful. وَرَبَطَنَا عَلَىٰ قُلُوبِهِمْ Allah Ta'ala says, Allah Ta'ala fortified their hearts. إِذْ قَامُوا فَقَالُوا رَبُّنَا رَبُّ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ When they're standing in front of their, the, this king, رَبُّنَا رَبُّ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ So then they have such strength given to them by Allah Ta'ala that they say, رَبُّنَا رَبُّ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ Our Rabb, we only worship one Rabb, subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's the creator of the, and he's the, the Lord of the heavens and the earth. لَن نَدُعُوَ مِن دُونِهِ إِلَاهَا And we'll never call upon, we'll never worship those idols and those deities that you're calling us to worship. At this point, this is the second lesson. And that's that a person to remain committed to Allah Ta'ala has to have an identity or has to have a sense of identity. They have to be comfortable being someone who will worship Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. At the moment that these young individuals were standing before the king, the moment that they, question, that they were questioned, they weren't trying to justify things. Right? They weren't trying to make excuses, but instead they were very comfortable. رَبُّنَا رَبُّ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ So now if a person, when they are trying, I was actually reading something, it was a, a non-Muslim philosopher, uh, I was just reading it maybe two weeks ago, that a non-Muslim philosopher was saying that it's impossible for a person to have dual identities. That if a person, for example, in the masjid, he didn't say this, but obviously applying it to the Muslim context, in the masjid or amongst Muslims, if a person trying to be very very pious and righteous but then the moment they go to work the moment they go to school they now they're trying to fit in they're trying to justify anything they're trying just to be totally like everyone else then this philosopher said that this isn't going to work a person will have this state of inner dissonance like there'll be a level of uh, discomfort that they have in uh, internally and because of that a person really but they won't land anywhere they won't be solid on anything so now in the masjid they won't be solid and then amongst you know, their classmates or their co-workers, they also won't be solid. What a person has to have is that the lens through which we see the world, the lens through which we interact, the framework in which, in which we choose our actions is the framework of the Qur'an and the Sunnah of the Prophet That we are not justifying things based on what people want. We're not seeing the changes in society. But instead, we are looking and acting and how Allah Ta'ala has commanded us and how Rasulullah wasallam has shown us. So now you can say, how can a person have such strength? How can a person have that these individuals are just standing before Allah Ta'ala, standing before this emperor, calling and, and being so firm in their belief of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Later in the story, we see the qualities of these individuals. That 
even in the what we would say the mundane actions of their life or the mundane aspects of their life they're still very particular to do it in a manner which is pleasing to Allah Ta'ala after they go to the cave and they fall asleep and they wake up when they wake up obviously they've been asleep for 300 years so they are hungry so they tell one of the members who's in the cave uh, you should go to the city and then get, bring some food for us but then they say not only bring, don't just bring food make sure it's halal make sure it's, tayyib, make sure it's the absolute best food that you can bring and when you're bringing it don't cheat anyone don't try to haggle if and they had said they like only use the money that we have because they knew it was halal income. And then they instruct him that when you're interacting, maybe the cashier, the member of the, the market that you're interacting with, no one else will be there. No one else will see you, no one else will question you. Make sure these you're treating them properly. Make sure your akhlaq and your character is upright. Although no one is seeing you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is seeing you. And as you're doing this, don't try to get attention from everyone else. Keep a low profile and just, you know, act the way you should be acting. If a person cannot worship Allah Ta'ala in the, the small, mundane actions of their life, then there's no way when the bright lights come on that a person will have strength. That we build up our spiritual strength through these small actions that maybe others might not see. Maybe these are things that people will overlook. But when we're particular to do actions for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, then this develops this identity within a person. So then when a person is questioned, or we see shifts in society, now a person can be very firm in their iman in this relationship with Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. <clears throat> now, we go on that this, in, uh, after these individuals, they tell the king their belief in Allah Ta'ala. He then gives them an ultimatum. And he says, look, I recognize that you guys are young, I'll give you a few days to think about it. That if you continue to say that you worship the Rabb that you're claiming, then you will, I will execute you. Or if you want to then retract your belief and you want to uh, believe and profess your belief in the idols that we, the rest of the community does, then you'll be able to live. At this point, they are having the choice between life and death. So then Allah Ta'ala gives them this inspiration. That rather than staying in this society that is not conducive to a person's iman, instead of staying amongst people that you won't be able to worship Allah Ta'ala, then Allah Ta'ala gives them the, the inspiration to physically move out of the city and to take refuge in a cave. So now these individuals, they get up and they go and they move into a cave. And when they get to the cave, they don't begin to worship Allah Ta'ala, but over there they actually fall asleep. And they remain asleep for 300 lunar years or 309 solar years. So now for 309 years, these individuals are asleep. And this is the action, the action of them removing themselves from the disobedience of Allah Ta'ala, from a bad environment. This makes their mark in the Quran. Like This is the things that they get their stamp of approval from Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala for. And that's that when a person, if we want to remain afloat spiritually, then we have to cut ourselves off from bad environments. One is to not sin, but the way to not sin is to not put ourselves in opportunities where we can sin. 
If we know that there's certain individuals that we are loose with our tongue with, or we waste a lot of time with, or we know that there's certain company, or there's certain people that, you know, we just are not conscious of our salah when we're amongst them. Or there's a certain invitation that we get, but there'll be music there, or there'll be mixing of genders there, or there'll be things which are outside the bounds of Islam. What a person needs to do is they need to cut themselves off from those environments and they don't even go into the bad environment. When a person goes into an environment, say people are drinking, or people are listening to music, a person can go with the intention that I will go and I'm not going to fall into what everyone else is doing. But now that a person's in that environment, they're opening the door to falling into that sin. If a person takes a step back and they remain outside of those walls or outside of those gatherings, now the opportunity to fall into that sin isn't even there. This is what Ashab al-Kahf did. They remained outside, like they didn't, they remained, they removed themselves from this community that was disobedient to Allah Ta'ala. And this was the action that was so beloved to Allah. It was not that they went and they began to worship Allah. It's that they went, that they just removed themselves. They removed themselves and that was beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So similarly, when we find ourselves, we might have an invitation from someone at school or a co-worker, or there might be certain companies that we can choose to be with. We have to look and see, is this going to be beneficial? Or are there things which are outside the bounds of sharia? If they're outside the bounds of sharia, then we shouldn't even go. Because then if we do, we are risking ourselves falling into that sin. And of the many um, lessons that we can take from the story, we'll take one last one. And that's that for a person to remain spiritually afloat, and for a person to improve their relationship with Allah Ta'ala, there has to be something called khalwa ma'Allah. And a person has to have seclusion with Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. When Ashab al-Kaf remove themselves from the community, then essentially they were alone with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is something which is essential for a person to have a relationship with Allah ta'ala, for a person to sustain a relationship with Allah ta'ala, and for a person to improve a relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That a person has to have alone time with Allah ta'ala. We understand this in the context of relationships that we have in our life. That if a person wants to have a better relate, if a person never spends time with their spouse, then after some time, obviously that relationship is going to begin to suffer. If a person never has time with their kids, then again, obviously that relationship is, is going to be impacted. So similarly, if we never have time between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that we individually, away from everyone, are just reciting Qur'an, or we're praying an extra two rakahs of salah, or we're taking out time to make dua, or we're taking out time to do some adhkar, if we don't have that time, then we are not building that relationship between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Obviously, congregational worship has a very big place in Islam, but that doesn't substitute and that doesn't replace, replace a person's individual worship with Allah ta'ala. We see prior to the Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa getting uh, the first wahi and the, the beginning of the revelation of the Qur'an, it comes in the hadith that he was spending more time. He was increasing in the time that he was staying away from the city. Musa alayhi salam, prior to him getting the revelation from Allah Ta'ala, for 40 days, he was in an i'takaf. Like he was secluded from the community for 40 days. The lesson or the, that the ulama that they extract from this is that when a person has seclusion with Allah Ta'ala, when a person has alone time with Allah Ta'ala, then a person is able to 
uplift, uh, spiritually uplift themselves. That these prophets, Musa salam, the Prophet salam, this time alone was allowing them to spiritually get prepared to receive wahi and revelation from Allah Ta'ala. So for us, when we have alone time with Allah, it's allowing us to spiritually get strength, to spiritually, to sustain this relationship with Allah Ta'ala and to build this relationship with Allah Ta'ala. As we said that at the beginning, that our struggle throughout our lives will be to remain committed and submitted to Allah Ta'ala. We all know that there are some times that it's easier, there are some times which are more difficult. And in a month like we're in, uh, the month of June or Pride Month, we see that the shift of society and we see the uh, maybe the difficulties that a person might have to keep this relationship with Allah Ta'ala. That Allah Ta'ala, is, like we said, is giving us an example in the Qur'an that what we can do in ensuring that we have proper, righteous, pious company, that we have a sense of our Muslim identity, that we see the world through the parameters of the Qur'an and the Sunnah of the Prophet wasallam, that we remove ourselves from negative influences and from bad environments, and that we have seclusion and alone time with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When a person does this, through the tawfiq of Allah Ta'ala, then a person will be able to take steps to protect themselves and to protect their relationship with Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. We ask Allah Ta'ala grant us the tawfiq to truly value our relationship with Him. We ask Allah Ta'ala allow us to build, to sustain, and to improve our relationship with Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Despite any challenges or difficulties or societal shifts, we ask Allah Ta'ala make us amongst those people who are submitted to Him. We ask Allah Ta'ala to accept from us. We ask Allah Ta'ala to forgive us of our shortcomings. Subhanallah, bihamdi, subhanakallahumma wa bihamdi, nashadu wa la ilaha illa ad, nasafiru kawana tubulik, wa akhiru da'amana, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.